We are easing into this sabbatical season. We're just swapping out one Pastor Cochran for another today. And so our speaker today is the Reverend Bruce Cochran. He has spoken here a few times before. For those of you who have been here for that, it is a blessing. It is good. And as you hear him today, I think you will begin to understand why we are blessed with a pastor that is so good at teaching God's word. And so, Bruce, if you'd like to come up. And Broadway, if you'd like to join me in welcoming him. There's some, there we go. It's not his fault, it's mine. All right? That's always, that's always job number one when you come to a guest church or church as a guest speaker is to figure out how all the electronics work. And that, if you're around me very often, you'll hear this sign. I am convinced that all things electronic will have their place in the lake of fire and brimstone. <laughs> all right? Right? I mean, goodness gracious, how great it is when it works, if it works. And they always say it's always operator error. Some of that's not all on me, some of that. First of all, I want to say thank you for, um, for your forethought and the, uh, the vision that you have for pastoral ministry. Um, I work, I have been in ministry now for over 40 years. Uh, I've pastored churches in all kinds of contexts, an inner city church, uh, in a, in a one horse arrangement where I was the only pastor. I've worked with pastor as the senior pastor who had staff. I've worked on staff at large churches where I had to both answer to somebody and then, and then, uh, supervise others. And right now, I'm in a position where I work with pastors and churches in, in, in my denomination. I have, a, have responsibility or the privilege of, of, of overseeing 82 churches in the northern part of Indiana. When I say oversee, it's really not that because it's Baptist. Baptists don't oversee anything. Those of you from Baptist circles know that. Um, we're, we're autonomous, but I, I assist pastors and churches in the ministry that God has called them to do. And um, no, one, no one knows what it's like to walk in the pastor's shoes but the pastor. Now, one of the things that bugs me, because I'm around pastors a lot, is there's a, just like in any profession, there are a lot of... A lot of pastoral whining that takes place, okay? But sometimes when I listen to them, I say, you know, this is work, but it's, it is unique. It's a unique kind of job that a, that a pastor has. And so your foresight in allowing and gifting your pastor with a sabbatical is an incredible statement of your faithfulness to God to be the steward of the pastor that God has given you. So that's an incredible thing. I, I've had the privilege of taking three sabbaticals in the course of my ministry. And what I'm going to share with you this morning is the, is, uh, the content of some of what I, what I discovered and discerned in the sabbatical that I took just this past summer. So it is a, it is a great gift. I, I just wanted to be sure to tell you that. And for those of you who are nervous about what's going to happen in the next few months without the pastor here... Just remember this, that it ain't Ryan's church, right? right? 
okay? It's, it's, it's the church of Jesus Christ, and the pastor has a specific role in that. But we are all priests, right? And so this is, an, uh, this is a special time and a unique time for, uh, for you to exercise your own priesthood and become e- better equipped to do what God has called you as a church to do once the pastor returns. So thank you so much for that, and I, I want to, wanted to be sure to applaud you for that. Uh, the next thing I wanted to say as kind of introduction is that I love coming here. I, I just, this is... I have a vested interest, and I'm a little bit biased. (laughs) But this is my favorite church. And I'm in a different church every Sunday. And I hope none of my churches are watching. Um, but but the, 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 your worship, your, the way that you come together, the way that you are a people is beautiful. It's, it is indeed beautiful. Well, let's get started this morning, shall we? Um, and uh, it, we're going to start with prayer. And uh, the, the text this morning is the Lord's Prayer. And so for the text, we're all going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. We'll use the, uh, the phrase... Uh, Sins in that one little spot, you know, where we don't know what we're going to say. We're going to use the word sins and as those who have sinned against us. So I'd ask you to stand and let's, let's all say the Lord's Prayer together as, our, as the text today. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The story's been told of a group of people who were, uh, who were in a situation where, you know, the, the, everything was falling apart. You know, the, the walls were falling down, the roof was caving in, nothing was working right. It looked as though everything that anybody did to remedy or to deal with the problem was not going to work. And it even became perilous and dangerous. And in the midst of all that chaos and that danger, somebody said... Do you think maybe we should pray? And the response that somebody else made to that was, oh my, has it come to that? (laughs) We laugh at that, but yet we hear it in our world today. I was on a I was on a on a, on a Zoom call a few months ago, and somebody suggested as we were talking about this particular issue and this particular problem that we should pray. Somebody else said, "We've already prayed enough. We need to go out and do something." Well, last time I looked, I think praying is doing something, right? It is doing something. But the sermon today is prayer incorporated, and so we're going to be looking at prayer uh, as the role of of prayer in the Christian faith. But this is not going to be your, what I would call the typical lesson on prayer. Normally, Normally, we think of prayer in terms of the challenges we face, of course. How and where we, we are hoping God to intervene with those challenges and in those circumstances. 
And when, as we think of prayer, we think of, uh, you know, the concerns that arise out of our own hearts. We, we think of things that, well, I'll just confess something here. When I look at my prayer list, sometimes I'm kind of convicted because my prayer list is all about, right? You know that, right? Prayers can sometimes be overly focused on the kind of things that we are thinking, that we are hoping to see. And, and, and that's not entirely wrong because a lot of times God works through those things and we discover and discern uh, God's faithfulness in those kind of things. And, 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 faith, and, and faith and prayer is a, is, a, is a personal kind of thing. We pray from our own perspective. We pray about things that we see, that we feel, that we hope for, that we believe in. And as we grow in faith, we'll take up the concerns that others have and begin to pray for one another. But there's a feature of prayer that is largely forgotten. And that's what we're going to cover today. And I hope that you'll pay attention and follow along with me. But before we get to that point, we need to consider what I would call the domain of prayer, the realm of prayer. Where does it, where is it, what's, what's, the, what's the aim uh, of prayer? And the Lord's Prayer lays this out right at the start. It says, our Father who art in heaven, heaven. A perspective that's bigger than the world around us, right? That's the domain of prayer. Lifts our eyes to something that is not right before us. But then we go on and it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This idea is found in another prayer that Jesus, uh, that is in Scripture, the prayer that Jesus made in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we know that he struggled there as he contemplated and, t- and anticipated his death. And like any of us facing something as traumatic as that or anything near that, we would say, Lord, you got another plan? It'd be okay for you to plug it in right now. But nevertheless, Jesus said, not what I will, but what you will. What I'm getting at here is when you look at this perspective of the, of the prayer that Jesus taught us and the prayer that Jesus uttered in the Garden of Gethsemane, the starting point points, points us to the fact that, that prayer is about matters of the kingdom. Prayer is about bringing the kingdom in. Prayer is about bolstering the ministry of God's people so that the kingdom is advanced. Prayer is about what we do and what we can become in order to make the kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven. Now, what what do we mean by the kingdom? Well, there there are a lot of perspectives about that, but, but there's this common thread that runs through all of it, and that is the reign of God. To bring the world or circumstances or lives or situations or families or communities under or in or in alignment with the will of God. And that cannot only mean some kind of future eschatological event. That cannot only mean that because because it happens right now. I don't know about you all, but when I come to church and I hear the songs that are being lifted up by God's people, I kind of get the idea the kingdom has just come. Have you experienced that this morning? I mean, I have. The kingdom comes right now. 
When you think about when you came to, to know Christ and you brought all the, the yuck of your life and laid it at the cross and your life was changed dramatically, didn't the kingdom come? Is not the kingdom reigning in you right now? Of course. And so prayer is all about bringing the kingdom into the present. But if we're honest, we come to God with a list of things that originate with ourselves, and it's kind of focused on us. It's like the prayer my dad used to always quote when he was, when he was talking about this subject. He'd say, most people's prayers are like this. Dear God, bless me, my wife, John, his wife, us four, no more. Amen. Let's eat. <laughs> you know, just, just take care of us and we're good. It's bigger than that. And oftentimes we just have this idea that we come up with a plan and what we're really praying about is, God, we've got the, I've got the plan here. Why don't you bless it? Bless our plans. Bless, our, bless what we think should happen. In contrast, Jesus lived, acted, and talked and taught and prayed about something else coming into this world. The kingdom of God coming into this world. Now, Jesus is our teacher, right? If so, then our prayer focus should be on the kingdom, God's will. Consider that when you look at your own prayer list. So that's the starting point today, okay? That's not, that's not the ending point, but we have to start there because prayer begins there. Prayer is about the kingdom. So wherever we go from this point, we have to hold that as the backdrop or the foundation or the direction that guides us. But what I'd share with you today, and the point that I'm trying to make today, is that it is good for us to pray about our needs. It is good for us to pray for one another. But what about praying with one another? Praying with one another. Prayer is personal. There's no doubt about that. Each of us pray out of our own concerns, the things that, are, that involve us, what we feel, what we see, how God is working in our lives. Prayer is personal. But the Christian faith, though personal, is not private. I want to say that again. I want you to catch this. The Christian faith, walking in faith, practicing our faith, though personal, is not private. And this informs our prayer lives as well. Consider some biblical principles about this corporate aspect of our faith. Hebrews 10.25 talks about the fact that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The direct command given in Scripture that calls God's people to come together in worship and faith and in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, the counsel of one another and the care of one another. So it's a, it's a scripture passage that bolsters, bolsters this idea of what it means to be a community of faith. Now, it was great that we had electronics during the pandemic so we could stay connected. But the pandemic is mostly over now. So it's now time to be in church with one another, fellowshipping with one another, because that's what it means to be the church. 
to be together. Another scripture hint here. In, first, in the book of 1 John, time and time and time and time again, John refers to the fact that how you treat others is an indication of how you treat God. And how you love God directs you about how you love one another. I mean, there's just no, over and over and over, you can't get away from that, especially in 1 John. He's saying the, the vertical aspect of our relationship with God directs us, leads us, reveals to us what we are to be horizontally. The two are tied together. And so we can't just go and in some corner and worship God and say, I'm good. It affects what we do with our relationships with people. Another, another uh, nuance that can be found in Scripture is in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, people were identified on the basis of their family, their community. You know, it wasn't just David. It was David, son of Jesse, from the tribe of Judah. People had their identity, not simply, I'm me. I mean, that's very American, right? But it's not very biblical. We are tied to the community in which we abide. It, and it makes a difference how we see that as part of our identity because our identity, our, our personal identity, how we view that affects how we live and work and how we, how we interact. Now, with respect to how this is taught, how this applies to prayer and how it's taught in the Scripture, what's the first word in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, heart in heaven, give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we have forgiven others. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. Jesus taught us a prayer that was thoroughly corporate. It was a prayer that involved our relationships with others. So how can, how does prayer get incorporated into, the, into congregational life? How do you see that? How can you envision that? How do you practice that? How can it be done better? You'll be surprised at how often you do it when you take a look at it. And awareness of this leads us to a higher degree of faithfulness because if we're aware of how we do it and how we can do it, how we should do it, we're more intentional in doing it. We're more appreciative of how we do it. And therefore, we can be more faithful in how we do it. If you're a leader and you're more aware of how you lead people in prayer, then you can do that on purpose, not accidentally. You can give more attention to it. If you're a follower and find yourself in a position where you're, where you're having to follow other people or cooperate with others, you can be more aware of this as a feature and as an aspect of faithful church life. First thing is that, that you know, as we, we, we pray as we're going through life. Now, personally, you do this. I know that for me, for many decades now, 
Prayer has been part of the rhythm of my morning. It's the first thing I do in the morning. The hardest temptation I have all year long is not to pick up my phone and see, wonder if the Tigers won last night this time of year. Most of the time, I don't have to wonder anymore. But it's been a spiritual discipline for me to leave the phone alone, so that's not my first step. See, it's a habit. The habits of our lives affect us, right? And so prayer is part of the the habit, the, the routines of our lives, the rhythm of our life. And in like matter, you have rhythms in your congregational life. So it's a very simple thing to see. We started the service today very early on with prayer. Near the end of this service today, we're going to have prayer together. It's part of what we are used to doing. When you have meetings, planning meetings, or board or committee, whatever you call it here, I'll bet you start those meetings with prayer. And I'll bet you end those meetings with prayer. That's corporate prayer. You're you're already doing that very thing. Congregational life has rhythms. You come together and you go. So when you gather, the idea is to mark those gatherings, to identify that rhythm with the kingdom's presence among you and kingdom purposes. So that, so that your coming and going is bracketed by this very significant thing called prayer. Praying with one another at t- such times gives, gives voice to the space that Jesus has in you and with you as a body. Because where two or three are gathered together, he promises to be there. So your gatherings, even if it's to clean up the kitchen, is a gathering where Jesus is there. Now, I'm not saying that every time you get together, okay, let's have a Bible study. I mean, that's not, that's not the point. The point is to recognize that there is place for you to, as, as you go through the rhythms of your life as a congregation... To, be, to, to mark those rhythms by prayer. But here's the problem. You're, we do it so well and so often, we don't realize it. I don't know about you, but the things that I do all the time can sometimes lose their meaning because I'm just sitting there doing it out of habit. How often? How often have you at the end of the service, when the prayer is being given for the last, to, to, before you're dismissed, you're thinking about something else other than that prayer. Well, everybody does that. That's true. You get, you get my point. Whether you're going to go to eat, what somebody else is wearing today, what somebody else has said, what you wish you could have said or would have said, all the things other than focusing on the glorious ministry that God has given his people to pray. It's precious. And so we, we, we need, like I said earlier, knowing this places prayer in its proper perspective so that we honor it. And we don't, shall I 
shall I say, disgrace prayer by not giving attention to it when it's done? So, may, may you be able to come and go into the rhythms of your life as a congregation with a greater attention and direction and faithfulness from this point, point forward because you know this is not just a closing prayer. This is not just an opening prayer. This is calling on God Almighty to bless his people in what they're doing and have done in the last few minutes or last hour. That's no small thing, friends. So the, that kind of rhythmic prayer is something that we're, we're, that we're called to as the body of Christ. Another aspect of prayer is a very simple one to understand, and that is, okay, so I'm going to help you remember this. And this sounds like so childish. Oh, come, on, come on, lighten up, all right? We're going to all get learn our own little hand, hand, uh, hand uh, movements now to help you remember this these points okay so rhythms coming and going coming and going all right oh it's some of you god this looks great i wish i had a picture of this <laughs> okay this is rhythmic this is rhythmic prayer okay all right next we're going to go to the next uh way that the context of prayer in the corporate life of the church and uh, this is one you're going to understand and that is simply that prayer happens in worship well of course it does of course it does you know, worship is one of the most exciting things that happens, uh, happens in the Christian life. And when does prayer happen? You have, I mean, when, when does prayer happen in your worship service? Well, you have it at the beginning. I've already talked about that at the end. A lot of times you'll have prayer. If you have an offering, you'll have prayer. Um, I'm telling you what right now, what you all do right here at the altar is beautiful. You know, prayer is happening in the worship service when somebody is dealing with God personally, and when those over here people are dealing, allowing people to pray with one another because of their needs and their concerns right now. This is a beautiful, you do that in your worship. That's, that's a, oh man, it's so glorious. But there's more to, to, to pr- praying in worship than when somebody stands up to offer a prayer. Music is prayer. You know, if we think about prayer as being a conversation with God, when you sing, do you ever sense that you were singing to God? Have you ever heard from God while there's a, while there's a song going on? Well, it sounds like prayer to me. So prayer happens as we lift up the Lord in worship, and as we sing through our singing. Have you ever been uh, sitting uh, out there while someone was preaching and God spoke to you? Yeah. Do you respond to that? Of course. Sounds like prayer to me. Prayer happens in the sermon. And so all through worship, prayer is happening with the people of God. Prayer is happening right now. Wow. And so during the worship service, worship is a time of prayer. So we've got rhythms that are happening to us. And as we're, we're praying through our rhythmic prayers, and then we come and we worship prayers. Rhythmic prayers turn into worship prayers. Okay? Very good. Thank you. Now, the, the third context of prayer, um, the third context of prayer is, you know, we pray for one another. How do you as a congregation pray 
for one another in the life of the congregation. Do you have a congregational prayer list that's shared? Is there something like that here that sometimes churches have that printed up? Okay, all right. Prayer lists can be, you know, and, and, and so if there's a way that the concerns of the body, the needs of the body of, of Christ can be sh- is shared with one another, and you all pray together about that, not necessarily in the same place or same time, but to collectively, as you're going in and as you're going out in your life, and your personal devotions, if you're praying for the same, for the needs of the congregation, that's, that's, that's corporate prayer. A few minutes ago, well, when, the, when the, the, the mission team came up here, and, and Shane prayed for them, and that's corporate prayer. You're praying for some of the, the ministries that you have as a congregation. You're sharing those things. There, and there are other concerns that you have about your community that you pray about. And so within the context of this fellowship, the, this body of Christ, there is a focus that, that there are different foci that you all look at and share. And you pray those up together as the body of Christ here. That's an element or a context of, of prayer in the body. And so that's what I would call fellowship prayer. Things that the, that the fellowship of the church is concerned about. And so we have these, these, the rhythmic prayers that come. They're coming and going. We're praying. And we, as, we, as we're praying um, and come together in worship, we lift up the Lord in prayer. And then there's the concerns of the wider body that we come and we pray for. Okay, so rhythmic prayer, worship prayer, the wider body fellowship prayer. Okay, and then, um, and so you, you, you do that as a body. Finally, in Matthew sixteen nineteen, Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell would not withstand against it. That's a powerful statement, friends. You realize that? That Jesus said that all the powers of this world are nothing to the powers of his church. Wow, that's exciting stuff. Prayer then is, is this kind of prayer is a prayer that's focused on the needs of the world. It's gates of hell kind of praying. Taking prayer to the streets. Prayer that accompanies the faith and the resources of God's people as the church goes on the offenses. Is there any need for that? And so Jesus gave that promise to us as God's people. As we come together and collectively focus on the, on the unrighteous and, and the injustice that exists out in the world. We pray about those things. And that's a thing to do. All of these things equip and empower us to be the church when we move out of this building today. The church I uh, used to pastor years ago, the church that Ryan grew up in, the, the byline for our church was a home for your faith. And we had a little picture of a house. And at first the logo was, you know, had this, this house and the door was shut. In the, front, in the front door. I said, let's open that door. And so we changed the logo so that the door was open. 
And we always had to make sure that people recognize that, okay, you, you see the logo? The door's open. And the first thing people think of is, well, that means it's an open door, so you're welcome to come in. And we would say, yeah. But it also is open so that we get out of there and go out into the world. And so this kind of prayer, gates of hell praying, is praying for the church to go out and be the church outside of the building. And so we have this this calling as God's people to be that, to be that, be those change agents in the world of righteousness and justice. And it all is empowered by prayer as we go through the rhythms of our lives and the rhythms of congregational life. And in the rhythms of congregational life, we will also lift up our Lord in worship. And we all come together and pray together for the concerns that we have so that we go out as God's people. One more time with me. Rhythms, worship, fellowship, overcome the world. Well, how do you discern? How do you discern this? Well, I've got a whole other piece that I could do right now. And for the next two hours, I'm going to share that with you. (laughs) No. Basically, what I'm sharing with you, these four things, just to do them intentionally. Just do them intentionally. You're already doing them. Now put some intentionality and faithfulness to that. Maybe we should pray. Has it come to that? It has. Oh, God, equip, enable, bring to fruition the faithfulness of of your people in prayer so that we may experience you in the going and coming of our lives, in our worship, in our coming together as your body, your fellowship, and in the mission you call us to, to overcome the world. May it happen, Lord, through your power and spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.